Hey, you and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. And once again, I am Martin, joined by the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, this is going to be a fun interview, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. I mean, honestly, like this gentleman, I mean, we I know we've heard him play so many times, you know, on so many albums in, in the early days, especially of the Sunset Strip, which we do love so much. I mean, right now he's here to talk about Freak Show, which he has just joined. We have Rick Fox. Rick, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you said so many albums. Which which albums are there so many? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, I guess it's true. Not so many albums uh, so much as as like so many bands, you know, that that we do listen to and that that you were yeah. that you were there in the early days. Of course, the Wasp, but I mean the Steeler, and and I mean you know trying to find sin and stuff like that obviously can't find surgical yeah. steel <laughs> well I've, I've recorded i've recorded a lot but a lot of it hasn't been released so mm-hmm. you know for various like surgical steel you know they we ran out of uh, uh the backing fell through in the middle of the recording of that album and so it got shelved and uh, uh Derek Kendall was a singer him and uh, Jim Keeler was the band leader they're trying to dig up what they can find whatever's left of it and see if they can put together some kind of compilation of uh, uh, pre-Rick Fox Surgical Steel, and then the stuff while I was in the band. I guess at whatever I don't know, whatever they can scratch together. So we're waiting to see uh, what's going to happen with that. So that was just never released. Uh, <clears throat> and then, um, of course, I recorded the first original uh, uh, demo with Wasp. That was of six songs. And uh, who's calling me? Get out of here! Uh, uh, and you know. That changed. My copy of the the Wasp demo was right off the master. It was nice and clear and and booming. It was a really good quality. Um, it was in the back seat of a car that we had parked under a, a, one of the buildings I was staying at in Los Angeles. And uh, the car was stolen. Whoever stole the car must have known the value of that tape because it wound up being tape traded around the world with the tape pirates. You know, in in the in the eighties, those days, um, and and I had taken um, my own. Uh, 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 I, I Xerox copy the the our band the band shoot photo that we had, and I put it. I try to make what would look like my version of an album cover, and it had the Wasp picture on it, and it said, you know, Blackie Lawless, Randy Piper, Tony Richards, Rick Fox. I had the list of the songs, and I, I just fictitiously titled it "Face the Attack," and I drew this logo on it and everything, and. <laughs> They must, they, people must have thought that that was a real official demo. And around the world, it went as Wasp faced the attack demo. There's no such thing. It was my own personal copy. And even had my name on it with everyone else's. And to this day, there are Wasp fans out there that deny that I was on that, that, that I had nothing to do with it. And, and uh, they think it's an official Wasp demo. And, and there's, there's some the guy in Russia or, or one of the Slavic countries uh, um, uploading this stuff onto YouTube saying rare wasp demo. I said, yeah, it's mine. That's my demo. I can hear my bass lines on it. And, and that guy's like denying it. It's me on there. So, uh, you know, so by me, that's at the point is uh, the data point is I recorded on that and it was never officially released. Uh, uh, we heard some months ago last year that uh, Blackie was planning on releasing uh, all the early wasp demos. I don't know if he's going to release the one that I'm on, because if he did, that would be a really interesting uh, legal data point. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. There. But but you know, we know where I, I recorded on the Steeler album and that got released. 
And uh, on the Freak Show album, I didn't play. Uh, Greg Chason did the bass tracks, but I joined after that was already done. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, obviously, obviously, you're you wouldn't want to join a project at this point in your career unless there was something about it that really appealed to you. So, what is it about Freak Show that really appealed to you? Wow. Um, well, aside from the superpowers of the of the players themselves, um, the, the album is I, I, I the first time I actually heard. The majority of the material was the uh, um, the they flew me to Reno to, to do the video shoot. You know, Carlos came in and Stet came in. Well, Stet has a house in Vegas, but so he drove up there to Reno, and I and Ronnie was playing it in the car, so I'm hearing a lot of it for the first time, and, and the grooves are like, you know, I'm an older guy, so I hear. I hear stuff because I, I said, well, I hear James Gang in there. And Ronnie's going, James Gang? I hear Steppenwolf. He goes, Steppenwolf? Because he wasn't writing with that in mind. He was writing with from his heart what, what he felt was, you know, uh, in the arrangement. But I hear I hear grooves from older stuff in there. Uh, like, for example, uh, um, the, the second video that we, we put out, uh, It Hurts Me. Great song. Great, fun to play. It takes me back to New York in the 70s. I hear uh, uh, Lou Reed's Sweet Jane. I hear Bowie's Heroes in there. Uh, you know, So I, I I hear stuff in there. Like Ice Cold Hands has kind of a Rob Zombie thing, a feel to it. Um, uh, there's one of the other cuts in there that, that sounds like, to me, reminds me a little bit of Nirvana. Um, there's like a little bit of everything on this album. And, it, and it's plus the 80s style heavy rock and roll. Uh, um, Wendy reminds me of Wasp. He's got a typical straight ahead pile driving Wasp type of groove. Um, MSM, which is mainstream media. I listen to that and the hair goes up on my arms, you know, because when Ronnie has that, that wailing, haunting scream, he does. I said, dude, dude you're making my hair stand up on my arms. So, uh, uh, and of course I, I'm, I'm learning all of Greg's bass lines. And I've got pretty much most of it down. Um, it's just a great album to to play to. Uh, it's it's fun songs. Uh, I, I, we're gonna have a blast playing it when we finally get into a room together because we haven't even played together yet. So, but uh, uh, so I, that was the first time of my hearing the songs was in the car uh, on the way to to shoot the video, and so they had to play it. Um, when we finally decided which songs we're gonna do, they had to play it through the uh, the house system so I could hear the playback. And I plugged in in the amp and I started learning the song on the spot before we just right before we shot the video. Because I, I didn't I got, like I don't know where to put my hands, you know, on the neck. <laughs> so so uh, like that. I mean, it's got to be convincing. Right. Uh, um, so that was that was it. Uh, that was my first ex uh, a chance of really hearing the material in its its full fullness. Like that. They come to you then. How did they uh, approach you? That's again, that was a great chase on thing. Uh, the story behind that is uh, somebody posted a picture in Facebook on their thread uh, uh, of um, Steel Panther, who had apparently taped a segment for America's Got Talent. Now, these guys have like eight albums out. Why are they on America's Got Talent? They, 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 they really need the attention. And, and so, you know, just I got in the thread and I went, how come I'm not in a band like Steel Panther? And a few people went, yeah, you know what? You're right. You should be in a band like Steel Panther. Fate, will, as, as it will have it, 
Greg saw that, and he types in Ronnie Bushard's name, tags him. He says, Rick, I want to put you in touch with this guy. I said, okay. I didn't, I didn't know who Ronnie was. Oddly enough, Ronnie and I all know all the same people in the industry, but yet we've never met. It was one of those kind of connections. And, and, uh, and Ronnie's been around for a long time, you know, with Miss Crazy and Amsterdam and Trixie. So he's, he's been around in the music business, but I just never heard of him. So he puts me in touch with Ronnie and uh, Ronnie and I start talking, you know, like that. And uh, uh, the way the story goes is uh, Greg recorded on the album, but he couldn't commit. Because, you know, at the time he had his band, Atomic Kings, who had just released their album. And, you know, he's got his music store uh, that sells a guitar, you know, in Phoenix, uh, Bizarre Guitars. So he's settled there with his guitar store. You know, and he's, he's settled in, in, in Phoenix. His, his family's there and everything. So Greg goes, I can't really commit to this. And so Ronnie says to him, well, can you recommend somebody? Greg said the first thing that came to my mind was Rick Fox. He goes, in hearing this material... He says, it's got Rick's name all over it. He goes, Rick would be, Rick is the perfect guy, your choice for this. And, and I couldn't ask for a better recommendation. Uh, Greg and I come from the same background as far as our, our bass influences. Uh, Humble Pie, Grand Funk Railroad, you know, a lot of 70s hard rock stuff like that. That's that's really where my roots, I'm, I mean, I play metal, but my mind hearing, I, I, hear, I hear melodic bass, bass runs, bass lines. In that, I don't just go one note, one note, one note, one note. I hear a walk in there somewhere, something melodic. Uh, Gary Thane, Uriah Heat, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and 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 Greg's not a real busy player. He's a, he's an intricate player. He's he's he, he's uh, he's one of the unsung heroes of bass players in rock. He, he's he's he deserves a bigger spotlight for what he's brought to the table. So uh, Greg told Ronnie, Rick is the guy you're looking for. He's he's perfect for this. So Ronnie and I talked and, and he says, I talked to Stett and he goes, Stett loves you to death. And I've known Stett since before he was in Wasp when he first came to LA. Uh, and we worked, we worked together on a, a, on a truck, a moving truck for a company called Starving Students in LA. They had all these big van line trucks. And uh, I went on to me and Stett and another guy, well, the three of us rockers were working on, that's how I got to bond with Stett. And then uh, I've worked with Carlos briefly in uh, around 1985. My band Sin was in the studio. We were recording an album master demo with Dana Strom producing. And I got a call in the middle of the night from a very inebriated Kevin Debro. I don't know how he got my number. And, and it sounded like he was at a party. And I said, this is a joke, right? You're, you're pulling my leg. He goes, no, seriously. He goes, we kicked Rudy out of the band. And, and we're getting ready to do a South American tour. And your name was recommended. So he says, you're going to meet with Frankie. He's going to give you a tape. You're going to learn the songs. Then you're going to go over Carlos's house and work with him. I said, all right. And he goes, the, 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 the kicker, and he says, you got to be quiet about it. Don't tell this to anybody. I said, all right, fine. Mom's, mom's the word. Uh, you know, zip lip. I met with Frankie. He handed me off the demo. He says, good luck. He took off. I went back to Venice where I was living. And it was like wood shop 24-7, several days in a row. I was tapping my feet in my sleep. Uh, the girl I was going out with at the time said, she goes, you're tapping your feet in your sleep. That's how, how much I was uh, um, inundated in learning their set. And they said it was it was a, a really hurry up thing. Uh, their manager at the time, Warren Etner, who was a, a guitar player in uh, the Grassroots, band the Grassroots, Warren expedited my getting uh, a passport really quick uh, from the, at the, the, the federal building there in West L.A., and I was over Frankie's apartment, Frankie's house, 
one day, a couple of girls showed up. I was in a different room. They were on the other side of it. But they looked in and they saw me in Frankie's house. I didn't wave or anything. I just, you know, I didn't pay any attention. He's, and so, but I still didn't say anything to anyone. And then uh, uh, I wound up, I went over Carlos's house on, on uh, uh, Laurel Canyon. And we worked on some stuff, you know, like that, some of the songs. And then one day I get a phone call from Dana Strom saying, don't do it. Don't hook up with Quiet Riot. They're going to they're gonna use you and spit you out. They'll stab you in the back. I'm thinking, how do you hear about this? I didn't say anything. Nobody's talking. But yet somehow Dana Strom had his finger on the pulse of everything going on in Hollywood and in L.A. And, and he found out about it. And he's telling me, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, I don't know where it may have gone past that. I can only speculate. But. I saw Frankie in the rainbow and he was furious at me. Absolutely livid. I said, what do you, what, what did I do? He goes, you talked, didn't you? You opened your mouth. I told you not to say anything. I said, I didn't say anything to anyone. I said, I'm in Venice. Who am I talking to? I don't even have a car. So there's no way for me to get out and, and, and socialize and go, Hey, guess what? I'm doing this with quiet. Right. I said, I didn't say anything. And, and I didn't. And, and Frankie was mad. I got a call from Warren Etner and he goes, all right, well, we're going to have to pass on this. So at least I got a, I got my first passport out of it. But through some miscommunication or crossed wires, I lost out the gig doing with Quiet Riot. And I, I heard they, they hired some kid, unknown kid. They did the South America tour. When they got back to, to, the, to the States, they kicked him out and nobody even knew about it. And, and that was that. So but my point is, I worked with Carlos briefly. So we had a really good rapport there. And when we were at dinner, during the video shoot, I said to Carlos, whatever happened with that? He goes, I don't know. He goes, nothing was ever said to me. And I said, well, I, I, Frankie said, keep your mouth shut. And I did. And I didn't say anything. And the next thing I know, Frankie's mad because the word got out somehow. It could have been the girls at his house. Uh, Dana, I don't know. Somehow the word got out and I didn't get that quiet riot gig. So I don't really talk about it that much because it didn't happen. But uh, but reconnecting the dots to now, I got with Stet and Stet said, Ronnie, yes, thumbs up. I, I, I'd like to work with Rick. Rick's a great guy. And and Carlos said, yeah, sure. No problem. I, I get along great with Rick. So a lot of it has to do with chemistry, you know, and and uh, uh, Ronnie and I are still getting to know each other better. We, we talk all the time on the phone and, you know, have long conversations and whatnot about this, that and the other. Um, and, and he's a band leader. So I'm the new guy. And and I said, you know, whatever, you, whatever you're going to do is, you know, uh, let me know and we'll do it this. We'll do whatever you want to, however you want to do it. And so uh, we're just waiting to see. Now, Stet just finished his run with uh, Metal Church, uh, the tour that's over. So uh, the bookings and the band's playing schedule is going to be, uh, that's Stet's department. He's going to handle whatever all of the, uh, uh, the bookings are and live shows and performances. So uh, I'm hoping you know, they're, they're shooting to get some, some big shows somewhere. Because you know you got Carlos Cavazo, you Stat, you know, these guys are A-list guys. You can't just just don't put them in a little club. It, it just you know it's like you know ten pounds of, of iron in a five pound bag. You know you can't can't do that. So um, so we're, I guess well, I'm waiting to see at what point we're going to get together and rehearse. You know uh, maybe at, at Stet's place in Florida. I don't know, and then uh, you know do some shows. So they're still talking about it. They're working on it, and they'll let me know uh, when it, when it's ready to happen. So in the meanwhile, I'm working on that. And uh, I just got a, a new Steeler song uh, from Ron Keel. He's, he's putting together an album. I think it's called Keel World. And he's worked. We got some Steeler material. So he just sent me some some basic scratch tracks of that. 
So I'm right. I'm right. Writing my baseline for that. Um, I think he's going to re- we're going to do that in a, in a couple of weeks, really soon in February. I guess I'll I'll do it in Vegas. Uh, 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 Mitch Perry on guitar, uh, Dwayne Miller on drums, and the guy. I guess he'll fly me into Vegas for a day. We'll record, and and I'll head back here like that. And uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it sounds awesome. But certainly, when were you concerned? I get. I guess like, do you do you get like touchy knowing your history with like kind of going into bands and and then being like unceremoniously dumped? Do you ever worry when you join a new band? Um, I don't really think about it that way. Um, I just would like to make sure that I get, you know, the, the equal fair amount of, of press coverage as everybody else is getting, because I guess I, you know, that, that just goes with the, with the picture. Um, I can't deny what I've done in the past. You know, there are people who, 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 like I said, there are some uh, hostile wasp fans who deny that I was in the band simply because Blackie won't won't agree to it. He won't say that I was in the band. Um, when I was in Steeler and we played the Roxy with Vandenberg, Nikki Six showed up with Blackie, and in between the shows, and he came backstage. And Nikki goes, "I came to congratulate you." Like he goes, "You've been here what almost barely a year, and you're in one of the biggest bands in LA." He goes, "Good on you." Uh, he's congratulating me. And then all of a sudden, Blackie's being nice to me. And he's, he's like, well, if there's anything I can do in the business, just let me know. I'll make some phone calls. I said, so if you're, is that true? Do you mean that? He goes, yeah. I said, then why don't you tell the truth? Why don't you tell people I was in Wasp? Why don't you try to bury that? That was the last time I ever talked to me. That was in 1983. He, will, he goes, that's not how the game is played. I said, what game? What are you talking about? You know, uh, you know he just will, will deny that I was in Wasp. And then... He kind of backpedaled a little bit some years ago and said, well, he came and he, he uh, auditioned for us a couple of times and it didn't work out. Well, if that's true, then why was I at your house for four months from February to May 82? What was I doing there? Twiddling my thumbs? <laughs> you know, I was watching you try to beat the, the, the electric company and the gas company by turning off your meters when it came time to, to get uh, uh, your inspection time for the bill. So, I mean, I would know these things because I was living in his house, you know, and then, and you know, we, 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 uh, well, it, it, that was February, March. It was like you know, March, right before April, before we did the photo session that I came up with the band name with Wasp. He denies that. And people have tried to pin him on where did the name come from and what does it mean? He says, well, it means we ain't sure, pal. Okay. W-A-S-P. I said, no, it's more like we're all side players. Cause that's what it turned out to be. Uh, but in, 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 uh, other interviews, uh, like full and blue music. Uh, they interviewed Randy Piper. He said, was Rick actually in the band? Did he come up with the name? Randy goes, yeah, he did. He goes, I can't take that away from him. He, he goes, I don't know if it stung him on the hand or something. Randy can't remember the story. Uh, I, I stepped on one in, in the courtyard outside of Blackie's house. And I went back in and then, and I said, I got an idea for a band name because he didn't want to call it sister anymore. He was looking for a new band name, a new, a new everything. But once I was in, it was settled. And I said, I said, I stepped on one, a hornet. I said, how about, how about wasp? Blackie goes, that's a good name. He goes, keep thinking like that. The next rehearsal, he says, we got a new band name, and it's called Watts. But Tony goes, who names a band after a bug? And I said, the Beatles? I don't know, Scorpions? <laughs> and and that, that moment, in, in, in 82, all four of us are technically co-founders of a brand new band. It wasn't Sister anymore. It's now Wasp. And he denies that. Blackie denies that. The fans that, that side with him deny that. You know, meanwhile, you got Randy saying, yeah, Rick was in the band. Chris Holmes goes, Rick Fox was in the band before me. So I've got, and Tony says, yeah, Rick was, you know, Rick, Rick tried out for us. 
they kind of he tries to cut it down a little bit, but um, there's no denying I was validated by ex ex band members that I was in Wasp. So I don't know what people still want to fight about over that. Um, but uh, you know that that comes with the package with me. Yeah, I was in Wasp. I was in Steeler. I can't deny that. You know, and 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 I don't talk that much about Surgical Steel. Um, it happened outside of L.A. and it's it doesn't affect the people in L.A. Uh, it's more of a Phoenix thing. But I was with them for for several months, and we did shows. We we uh, we supported Lita Ford on New Year's Eve, big show. She used our backline, um, stuff like that. So to to join another band with a name, if you have a name behind you, that only brings more press to the band. It helps make the band more popular because you've got all this other star power, you know. And and so I I didn't get to the level of Stet. I didn't get to the level of Carlos. I'm just under their level. So you got, you know, your ground level and your top level. I'm kind of in the middle somewhere. And I've had the, the privilege and the honor and the pleasure of, of being able to share the stage with some big names like Ronnie James Dio, uh, Sam Kennison, you know, uh, Mark St. John from Kiss. Uh, God and fate and, and, and Kismet put me in the right places at the right time. And I was able to share the stage with some big stars. Uh, uh, when I jammed with, uh, uh, with Sam Kennison, uh, uh, little Steven Van Zant was on guitar. Randy Hansen was on guitar. Randy Castillo, who passed away, uh, Ozzy's drummer, he was on drums. Uh, Jean Beauvoir from Plasmatics and, and Ramones, uh, he's got the big, big white mohawk. He was he played guitar. So I was on stage with all these this massive talent, you know, and, and it was a blessing just to be in the right place at the right time. I just wish I had pictures of that night. Um, like that. And we did Wild Thing, you know, and it was, so that was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have little bits of kind of cool stuff to bring to the table and, and I'm just, uh, just waiting to explode this with Freak Show, you know, uh, um, you know, Freak Show was, was started by uh, uh, Ronnie and, and uh, uh, Jeff Labar from Cinderella. As uh, you know, Ronnie, as Ronnie tells it. And, and I was friends with Jeff when he was in Cinderella. You know, and and I, I I saw some years ago, Freak Show passed over my my computer desk. I saw Jeff with a, some with the name the name Freak Show. I didn't think anything of it. It wasn't on my radar. And then here, years later, Ronnie's telling me, "Well, yeah, I, the, Jeff and I started Freak Show." I said, "Well, I didn't know that." I said, "You know, Jeff's a good friend of mine, and and we're you know we were both like rock and roll chefs. We we're, we're nuts in the kitchen. We're always cooking stuff. You know, me and Billy Sheehan, the three of us." We're like uh, rock and roll chefs. And then we would talk about that stuff, you know, and then Jeff passed away. But the original lineup of Free Show was, was Ronnie and Jeff, uh, Frankie Benelli, and Tony Franklin. So that was a super group right there, you know. And, and uh, uh, I'll, you know, I'll let Ronnie, when you talk to Ronnie, I'll let him discuss that history, part of the history of the band, uh, because that happened before me. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, and it's just these weird little things that's, you know, uh, yeah. um, I'm sitting here in Missouri by myself. All right. Uh, my wife and I bought this house in December of 2020. We were here for uh, February 2021, and she passed away in, in, in May of 2022. Uh, her cancer came back. So, I mean, I'm here by myself and I'm like, all right, what do I do? What's next for me? You know, God, where do I go? What do I do? Uh, talk to me, send me where I'm supposed to go. Put the people in my life I'm supposed to be with. 
And a few weeks after that was this whole thing unfolded, you know, with Greg and, and put me in touch with Ronnie. So some people say coincidence. I don't believe that. There's just no coincidence. I think there's a reason why it happened. It's psychic mediums say, look for the signs. So what's the album cover? The album cover is, is a figure, a winged figure on horseback. That's what I did for uh, uh, a little over a decade in, in the 90s when I took a hiatus out of the music business and I was representing my, my Polish ancestry of the wing who saw knights. These were a Polish cavalry that had giant wings on their back. And, and that's what I represented in my ancestry for, you know, over a decade. And people look at the album cover and go, Rick, is that you? <laughs> you know, because it's, it's this armored figure on horseback and he's got these big wings. So it's just, you know, it's, it's little dots to connect. There's, there's got to be reasons why I'm involved with this, you know. And so um, I just take it as it comes, you know, it's just, just, just little signs. That's how I interpret it anyway. That's how it resonates with me. So uh, I, just, like I said, I, I just can't wait to get in the, in the room and, and on the stage and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, show what, what, what Freak Show has. Well, and I know Ronnie's totally excited about that because even just talking to him a little bit, uh, you know, he, he's excited to get into that room and start rehearsing for sure. And he called me up. He goes, dude, I can't wait. I can't. He goes, I, we got to rehearse. I said, I know, Ronnie. I feel it. I feel it. It's just so much energy here. We finally get in a room. I'm telling you, it's going to be, you, you shut the door. We're going to blow the door off the hinges. <laughs> you know, it's going to be that that exciting. I, I can feel that. So uh, the anticipation is just so building, building, building. That uh, we, we got to get on the stage and, and just, you know, and, and bring Freak Show to the world, you know. Yeah, I mean, that that first show, whatever first show you do, it's going to be it's going to be something, I think. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. Um, I, I still got a little bit of a little bit of energy in, in the pipe. So, uh, you know, the runway is longer behind me than it is in front of me. But, uh, I, I, you know, it's that tenacious Capricorn. I, I, that's, I guess that's people go, where do you get the energy for this? I said, you know, I, I feel it in, in the bones. I feel it in the morning when I get up. But, you know, once I'm up and around, you know, I, uh, I draw, I don't know where I draw it from, but, you know, um, it's just in there. You know, it's in there. Uh, the spirit of my wife, I think, is involved in this. Uh, my dad, um, my, my late father, all this. There's all these little things that tie into this. So, um, you know, if it's a last hurrah, it's going to be a great one. You know, so. I hope it isn't, but. Uh the last hurrah i hope it is a great one but i hope Thank it isn't the last hurrah but uh you mentioned ron Thiel. so what is kind of your relationship with ron nowadays we're, we're friends we're brothers you know we're brothers at rock um this is this goes back to when i was we were still living in california uh we had a ranch a horse my wife was a horse trainer amongst her other talents um and we had a horse ranch up in santa, santa clarita agua dulce um and Ron called me up one day and he goes, uh, are you ready to do anything with, with, with me with Steeler? And I said, when and where, you know, just name it when and where he says, all right, that's good to know. It's good to know. He goes, I'm working on some things. And then, you know, I didn't hear from him for a while. And then come, uh, um, I think it was 2018, 19, it was 18 for, he told me about it in 2018, but again, mom was the word. So I just kept it under my hat. Uh, he was planning a Steeler reunion. And, and it was called the Keel Fest. And uh, it was going to take place at the old, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a main uh, performance location 
for a lot of bands that go through the Midwest. It was called uh, the Al Rosa Villa. That was the club where Dimebag got shot. What what a, what an analogy to attach to in the history of a club. Yeah. Uh, but that's where it took place. It was in May of 2019. Um, and and he flew me and Mitch. I flew together with Mitch out of Burbank uh, to Columbus, Ohio. And we did uh, the, our first Steeler reunion. The reunion that a lot of people, a lot of critics said would never happen. You know, and, and it's, it, we, I, Ron has approached Momstein. Momstein has, doesn't have anything to do with it. The, 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 uh, the arrogant condescension is still there towards us. And, and you know, anything, Momstein thinks anything's beneath him, so he's not going to get involved with Steeler. So, uh, I mean, he's, he never even said thank you when we brought him here. Anyway, uh, so we did a Steeler reunion. That went off really well. And so Ron and I, you know, we stayed in touch. Uh, but, you know, when, when we went to rehearse before we did this, this dealer reunion, Ron booked a studio uh, in Sherman Oak somewhere. And we got in the room and, and he was rehearsing Keel at the same time. You know, Brian Jay and Mark Ferrari and, and Dwayne on, on drums like that. And then Keel finished. And they came out of the room and, and, you know, we came in and we plugged in. Ron, Ron's got his, his little recording camera on and he looked at all of us. He goes, you ready, boys? I said, yeah. And we launched into the first song. And we stopped, and Roger, the room got quiet. He looked at all of us. He goes, "I'll see you boys in Ohio." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm playing the Steelers stuff better now than I did back then. I know more now than I did back then, so I can put more little melodic walks in it and stuff in it that I, I didn't do back then because the Steeler music did require a lot of complex bass lines and, and complexities in the arrangements. It was straight ahead, you know, rock and roll stuff. But I found pockets where I can play what I want to play in it. And it gave it a little bit more of a, of a flavor. Ron Turner looked at me and goes, wow. He goes, I've, I never heard you play like that before. Uh, I said, well, there's a lot of things you don't know that happened over the years. So, uh, you know, I like that. Every once in a while, I'd pull the album out and just play along with it just for fun. Keep my, just keep it for chops. Keep my chops up. And then so we did this Steeler reunion. And that work came out really well. And then uh, in, in March of... Uh, what was it? Well, I think it was August of 2021 or 22. They had something called a, a Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. And Ron uh, arranged to have me there. Uh, and, and Chris Chinchak and Aaron Camaro, those guys who run uh, the Decibel Geek uh, podcast, they put this thing on and they had me there. It was my first year there. And I, I was, I was, it was a learning curve for me. I was green. I'd never been to one, a rock, a, a podcast convention or an expo. And I did a bunch of interviews and it was mostly uh, people asking me about my time with Kiss, you know, and my relationship with Kiss early before they were Kiss. And, and uh, uh, a lot of podcasters enjoyed interviewing me and then they, they didn't have it the, the next year. And then in, last year they had it in March. They moved it to March and they said, you're in popular demand. There's like eight or nine podcasters that want to talk to you. And I said, wow, it's that's uh, I'm flattered. I, I, it blew me away. I, I, I never thought that anything I would say would be of importance to anybody, you know, like that, especially on that level. And, and there's a lot of fans that want to know what it was like back then. So I'm, I'm that voice channel to those experiences. And uh, uh, Ron had me. My, I had a, finally had a signing table, you know, uh, right across from Ron. And I couldn't do eight or nine podcasts because we had sound check for Keel Fest 2. 
at downtown Nashville is a club called Bowie's. So I only got like three, maybe three or four interviews under my belt. And it's all right, uh, maybe 20, 30 minutes at the signing table. Hey, Rick, rack it up. You got to go. So then I was at Bowie's for the rest of the day into the evening. And I didn't even get a chance to sound check. Uh, it was like five bands. And these are some of our new bands that are on uh, Ron Keel's new RFK label. So uh, and we did, you know, Keel Fest 2. Uh, we didn't get to finish the set. There was some uh, sound problems with, with, the, with the sound man. So uh, that kind of uh, put a little ice at the end, towards the end of the set. Uh, but, you know, Ron's, Ron's got a lot of stuff on the back burner. And when he's ready to to something to bring me in, I just, I'm just kind of like on standby. Ron goes, all right, Rick, you ready? I'm like, okay, just send it to me. Whatever you got, send it. And, and, uh, and when you're ready, um, I'll, you know, hook up with you and we'll record it. And then if you got a show, then we'll do a show like that. Uh, Ron redid uh, an older Keel song called American Thunder was a project I did, did last year. He sent me the tracks. I learned the tracks. Uh, I found a guy with a, a, a little home recording studio here in, in, uh, in Missouri, you know, about uh, half an hour away. So Ron sent him the tracks and, and uh, you know, it was like in this guy's garage. He had like yellow spray insulation on the walls to deaden the, deaden the walls. And he had, you know, a 32 track board, all you know, fully computerized and everything. So I, I recorded my bass tracks for that. And Rod released it, and and we did videos of ourselves playing it because it was kind of like the tail end of the COVID thing. So it, the people started doing uh, videos of themselves playing at home, and then you have like four or five guys on the screen, all doing their parts together at the same time. So we're still waiting for that video to come out. Uh, uh, and we had uh, Mike Vanderhuel on it from YNT on drums, um, and and a bunch of guys, Ron's guys from Keel, and several of his other bands that he's working on uh, with. And it was a whole bunch of us, and and it was a great rousing re-rendition of American Thunder. It was heavy. I got to play the bass lines I wanted to play in them, like that. And and uh, you know, uh, it came out great. It's it's up on, on you know it's on YouTube and everything. So, uh, so it's like I'm not completely inactive. I'll get a couple of projects during the course of the year, like that, to work on. And that's it's uh, that's kind of pretty much it, you know. Uh, after my wife passed, I had to find new homes for the horses. Because, you know, I mean, I learned everything I know about horsemanship and equestrianism, I learned from my wife. That was a gift. And and it came in handy after she passed because there were some things where I had to, I had to really take care of with the horses. But I can sustain their care indefinitely. So um, her one of her cousins here in Missouri, uh, she's about an hour and a half away. She has a huge ranch. She's a doctor. And and I said, is could it be possible? I, I don't want to separate the horses. I'd like to keep them together if I could. Because, uh, you know, they get separation anxiety. Uh, can I can I give them to you? And she says, yeah. So we, we trailed the horses up to her ranch. And I have a video. We'll be letting them let them out and the, run around. And so they're, they're doing okay. They have a lot more room to run around. There's other horses for them to, to hang around with and stuff. So they're okay. They're safe at that. Um, Tara's goat, I had I gave to one of her friends uh, who's lives, moved to Lebanon. Uh, from from uh, a friend of ours from California, so she's got Sally the goat, and every once in a while I take videos of you know me taking care of the animals, you know feeding the chickens and feeding the ducks and and playing with Sally running around in the yard like that. And I know the the, the my followers enjoy seeing that that little Rick Fox National Geographic rancher life. You know, it's not Rick Fox the metal guy; it's Rick Fox the metal rancher guy, like that. So 
Um, so I, I, uh, we, we have like six acres, six and a half acres here. I have a pond in the back. There's you know, some wooded areas. And I, uh, I occasionally got deer, wild deer running across through the yard, you know, a whole a family of deer, stuff like that. So the wildlife does come across through the, through the neighborhood all the time uh, like that. And, and I'm just here, you know, at the house. Um, uh, it's decorated like a castle, I guess you might say. Uh, uh, people have seen the pictures in here, and it's uh, they say your place looks like Game of Thrones, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> we got a at this big rock wall fireplace goes all the way up to the to the ceiling. You know, I got my family coat of arms, the shield I painted, and the swords. A lot of the weapons that we had from the Renaissance fairs. I have my two suits of armor, my my wing knight armor, like that, and and it, it looks like a an English Tudor style with the exposed beams and the ceiling, that kind of thing. So it kind of has that kind of look and feel, which is what we liked when we. We got moved here, and, and I'm the decorator guy. So it's it's like a, it's like very medieval Adams family, Game of Thrones kind of a uh, and mix that with Middle Eastern, because I, I I'm a collector of uh, Moroccan lanterns. So we've got all these Moroccan Eastern lanterns and Eastern fabrics and curtains and stuff. So it's like what a Polish nobleman would have in his in his estate back in the 17th century. That's 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 in my blood. <laughs> yes, I've seen the photos on Facebook and they are awesome. I mean, like between yeah. the suits of armor and then the and then the giant couch and stuff. Oh, you saw the pictures of the couch. Yeah. yeah. I, I got some new uh, uh these these throws. Uh, it, it was it's I found it on, on uh, Amazon. It's like Bohemian style. I typed in something else and that came up and I went, well, that's different. That looks kind of neat. Because I was looking for something to cover the couches with. Um yeah, I mean you can only steam clean them so many times. We've had a Got that couch in 2010 when we got our house in in California. So I found these fabrics and I I laid them out and, and I washed them first. I laid them out and it really brightened up the room. It really it says something. So I put the pictures up and all the light, all the girls are going, I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh, it's so you, I love it, love it. So uh, yeah, there's nobody there's nobody here but me to show it to. Um, where I live, it's like you expect. Uh, Barney Fife to show up any minute. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing against it. It's a very small town. We don't even have a traffic light in the middle of it. It's just a four way. You know, I mean, the the population here is two thousand uh, two thousand eighteen, two thousand uh, one eighty something like that. It's not a big town. You know, there's a truck stop on one end with with, with a McDonald's, uh, a cattleman steakhouse. There's a pizza place in town, a, 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 a subway. And a Chinese food place. That's it. I'm, I'm on one end of town. You go right through the whole town in like under five minutes. Wow. So it's, 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 and it, it gets dark here at night. There's like, there's no street lights until you get into what they call town in the center of, of town. And, and uh, it's dark here, you know, so it, it, it's normally very quiet, uh, except for the fact that my whole Western perimeter is the BNSF train line, the rail line. So I've got I've got you know mile long trains going by that rumble the house. So everything everything goes you know <laughs> kind of shakes a little bit, almost like an earthquake. But that's only when the diesels go by. The rest of the the rest of the of the of the, the train, the cars, it's pretty it's it's quieter, and it's mostly coal, you know, coal cars. Uh, one time I saw a whole lot of military vehicles going through. I guess they were going over to uh, uh, Ukraine. I mean, that's how the military transports their stuff is on trains. So uh, other than that, it's, it's pretty quiet. There's an occasional sonic boom, 
probably something flying from Whiteman because that's where the B2s are. And uh, and that's that's yeah, that's pretty much it. It's it's real quiet here. Uh, I got a neighbor across the street. Um, every once in a while, he'll pull out whatever firearms he's got, and it can be anything from handguns to boom. I don't know what that boom ordinance is, but it was big. It was loud. I'm like, what does this guy got? Got a bazooka over there? Or, uh, uh, I you know something big, whatever it was. And and diagonally right across from me is the highway patrol. They're right across the street. So I got highway patrol. I got the the, the police department, which is different because I, I'm just outside the city line. I'm in county. So uh, if I were to call nine one one, I couldn't get the cops here. I'd have to wait. 30 minutes for the sheriffs to come up from West Plains, which is, you know, the other south of me. So that's where the sheriffs are. Um, everybody, everybody knows me here, you know. Uh, and when we first got here, uh, in order to uh, uh, acquaint ourselves, introduce ourselves to the neighborhood, uh, you know, my wife and I were first responders with with CERT, Community Emergency Response Teams, and in and California. We, we trained with the L.A. County Fire. So, uh, you know, uh, they don't understand a lot of what that is here. The cities do, but the more rural areas, they don't. They don't always know what that means, what that is. So they look at at first. They're looking at me kind of strange, seeing the the, the signage on my vehicle says CERT, and it says Department of Homeland Security, and they, they people start freaking out here. You know, in in, in uh, Mayberry, <laughs> uh, what's what's Department of Homeland Security doing here? I said, well, CERT falls under DHS. I, I falls under uh, FEMA. And FEMA falls under DHS, so we're like at the bottom of the line. I said, well, "We're just first responders, Earth, you know, earthquake uh, uh, search and rescue, swift water rescue, uh, first aid mitigation." Uh, they're starting to get into, you know, uh, anti-terrorism stuff like that. So it's a whole learning thing like that. And then they go, "Oh, okay. Well, thank you for your for what you're doing." I said, you know, uh, and it's not there's no wildfires here like we had in California. So you know, in Cal where we were living, almost every other month it was a wildfire going on. So we were busy. Assisting, you know, LA County Fire and the sheriffs, like that. But here, it's, it's nothing like that. Uh, so it's pretty much quiet for me. And the, the fire departments here are volunteer. It's, it's county. It's not a city. So uh, there's two fire departments, and they're both volunteer. So every once in a blue moon, you might hear a siren go by, and it's usually like a, a, a hospital emergency or something like that. So, but uh, when we we got here um, around Christmas time. We got a little package of cookies and a little card that says thank you on it. And and uh, uh, my wife and I would sign it, who we are and, and what we do. And, and also before we left L.A., uh, we both got our, our guard cards. So we were certified uh, uh, security enforcement officers like that. And, uh, and we put all of this in our card and the cookies and a, you know, a Christmas card. And we'd give it to the highway patrol, the post office, city hall, um, the police department, the sheriffs, like that, and and whoever we do business with, because like I said, it's a small town, uh, the place that repairs our vehicles, whatever. And they, they, their response to it is, "Wow, uh, uh, thank you." They they don't these people don't do that. It was like a first for them. So, you know, the, the second time I did it, I started to put in. Uh, I have these uh, 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 pictures that I do for si at the at signings. At the conventions, a Rick Fox you know, promo thing with the, with the amp amp covers and stuff, and I sign that and I put it in the in the Christmas bag with it. So then they take my picture and they put it on the wall. So I got some kid contacting me on Facebook, going, "I live in in Willow Springs." He goes, "I'm just in a garage band." 
He goes, but he goes, it's, it's great to have somebody like you living here. I said, how do you know? He goes, my mom works at the highway patrol. She's at the dispatch. They have your picture on the wall. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this way, when we pass each other and I wave, they wave, we all know we're on the same team kind of a thing like that. So, uh, you know, and when I, I'd be talked to the sheriffs for whatever reason, they said, yeah, we know who you are. Your picture's on the wall here. And I said, I hope it doesn't say wanted under it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, because it's a small town, everybody pretty much knows everybody. You know, the people we got the house from, uh, church going folks, uh, uh, everybody in town knows them. Their kids went to school with everybody here. So they know this house, you know, and, and they respect my privacy, which is really nice. Uh, uh, around Christmas time, I, I do some part-time work with, with UPS. They have a hub here in town. And everybody in, in that UPS hub found out who I was. They found me on Facebook. They're like, wow, why are you working here? We don't have rock, rock star people working. Here, I said, look, uh, my wife, my wife passed away, and and they say when you have you lose a spouse, it's it's very therapeutic for you to be around people. You shouldn't be like alone and moping around about it and stuff. So I said, I'm not working here because I need to. I'm working here because I want to. And they're like, well, that's pretty cool, you know. And they said, they're, they're, um, very they're very accommodating. They're, they're nice, you know. They don't make a big fuss over it like that, and and I don't either. Like that. And it's just, you know, I, I try to enjoy what I'm doing and, and gives me something to do uh, like that. And until I have a project that comes along. So that's, that's kind of pretty much it. I'm just still kind of grieving you know, over the loss of my wife. We were together. We're married 22 years. You know, I mean, oh. we met 19, 1983 at a great white show in, in Hollywood. And she was bound and determined to, to marry me. Uh, you know, she told all the girlfriends, that's the guy I'm going to marry. They're like, you get out of here. You're crazy. And by, by the time 2000 rolled around, we got, we, we, she moved in with me and we got married in 2009. So, you know, we've been together since two, we, we've never been apart since 2000, you know, and then she passed away in 2022. So um, that's, that's really hard to deal with. You know, uh, it, it's a, it's a big loss. Yeah, you know, and and she handled all the paperwork, all the uh, finances, uh, anything legal, banking. She handled all of that, and and so now I got to pick up where she left off and figure out where she left off, and and I'm trying to you know, uh, you know, I got to do it by myself now. And the, it's not like there's a big social scene here. There's just not like a lot of clubs. There's no place to go really meet people unless they're into quilting. You know, there's no bowling alleys here. Uh, it's uh, there's some bars, sports, just sports bars. It's not that much rock going on here. Uh, Springfield, Springfield is the is the only place that has one or two rock clubs in it. Um, you know, and, and I have, I'm friends with a band that plays here all the time, uh, Machine Gun Symphony. These are like '80s rock party. You know, Motley Crue, Van Halen, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi. So I go once in a while to see them and hang out with them. But that's like an hour and a half hour drive there and back. So you know. Um, it's winter. It's cold. I don't go out that much, so I just stay home. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, when when you're playing bass, and especially when you're replacing somebody, like how, like, what's it like? Is it difficult to kind of learn the new bass lines, or or does it come naturally to you since you've done it so much? Well, you know, I I never took lessons. I, I wasn't formally trained. A lot of guys are like that. Um, I always learned everything off the guitar players that I played with. You know, once I once I figure out, you know, the neck and, and the structure of the song, songs usually have a pattern and there'll be like an intro, a verse, 
Maybe, maybe there's a little bridge and they go back into the next verse or there's a chorus. But once you got the patterns figured out, you just kind of just remember where the changes are. And, and usually that's the drummer's department. The drummer will have throw some kind of little fill, however small it is. So that's, that's your, your, your landmark, your, your key, your, your change location. So there's the change. So we, we go, we go with the change like that. So, um, but with somebody like for the case of, of Greg chase on, He's got some really interesting bass lines that he plays. Um, and it's interesting to, uh, you know, to, uh, it's a language. Each guy plays his language, if you can think of it that way. So Greg is playing his language. So then I, I close my eyes and I, I, I can see the neck. And I'm seeing in my mind, I see his fingers. I see where the language he's speaking, where he's, he's what he's saying. Like a guitar player plays some, a passage or a solo. He's saying something. So it's no different with bass players generally. Uh, if they if they play a, a melodic style, um, you know, you got Billy Sheehan. Billy's all over the place, but yet he's there. There are pockets where he's just solid. He's just playing, you know, root note, root note, root note, root note, and he'll do a fill. Root note, root note, and he'll do a fill. So, uh, like I said, the, from the same school, Greg and I draw from that well of humble pie. Uh, Greg Ridley on bass, uh, Grand Funk Real, uh, Mel Shatcher. You know, guys like that, Gary Thane from Uriah Heap, uh, Dennis Dunaway from Alice Cooper, uh, guys like that. And, uh, and of course, uh, one of my big influences when I was a kid was Steppenwolf. So I, you got Nick St. Nicholas was one bass player. Uh, George Biondo, who was a little bit more melodic, more fluid. Uh, he's another bass player style I admire. And I listen to what these guys are doing. And I try to, uh, through osmosis, absorb that feel. So... Um, there was a, a, a band I played for about five minutes with. I, I really don't not to care to give them that much um, uh, uh, exposure. Uh, but I really liked working with the singer and the drummer. It was a band called Angelus. They've been around L.A. for like forever, since the mm -hmm. 70s. They've always, always, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. They've always, they're always in opening for somebody bigger. They buy tickets so they can open for somebody bigger. And, and we, we supported Quiet Riot uh, in December of uh, 2018. It was the day after my birthday. And right right before I, I hooked up with them, I was listening to a lot of Uriah Heat. And I was sitting in my, my office uh, playing, figuring out Gary Thane's bass lines. I, I, Gary Thane was like the next the next John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones has that, that blues-based walking system in there. And Gary Thane is kind of like that, but not exactly like that. So uh, I just happened to be very into that melodic mind frame and and uh, angelus gave me a copy of that album to, to time of truth i think it was and i'm listening to it i'm going where's the bass it's like i just i can't hear in, in the way it was mixed or what there's not a whole lot of a bass going on in this it's, there's nothing that, that that brings the song what it deserves the songs so i i just listen i just started rewriting my own bass lines to it based on what i was doing you know with, with the uriah heat stuff and I'm, I'm writing all these melodic walking bass lines. But then uh, there's also, I, I uh, incorporate a lot of, because uh, I played a lot of bands with one guitar. So you got a lot of space to fill for the lack of, of a rhythm guitar in there. So I play bass chords a lot of times. And, and I got that from Lemmy. Lemmy plays bass chords. So uh, I mixed both. And and uh, I got over the, I went over the guitar player's house. We did the, we plugged in and played the first song. And he's sitting there across me going, 
oh, my God. He called to his wife. He goes, I just peed my pants. Give me a beer. He, he said, we've never heard anybody play bass like this in my songs. I said, all right, fine. That's great. Thank you. And I like working with the drummer. Uh, the, the drummer told me he's not like a rock and roll guy. He says, I'm more like, like into Billy Cobham, you know, progressive rock. He says, so I've never played with a guy that plays like you. He goes, I'm watching you. And I said, well, I'm watching you. I, I, I'm feeling where your fills are going to come in, and I'm meeting you there. That's what a bass player is supposed to do. Got to lock in with the drummer and listen and anticipate when that drummer is going to throw that fill in. And feel, it feels like it's coming to, to an accent, and you meet him, and you join him there, and, and it works out. So, you know, and, and uh, that we did a live show, like I said, at the, at the Whiskey. We supported Quiet Riot. That's on YouTube. So you can kind of get it, get it. You can hear me when I'm playing in there. And I ran it by Greg. I said, what do you think? He goes, this, you got some really tasty bass lines in there uh, like that. So, uh, so I draw upon that. So, you know, uh, when I'm learning the songs, I'm listening to another bass player. I'm, I'm listening to his language. I'm listening to what he's saying in, in you know, in the foundation of, of working with the drummer and, and, and bringing that to, to the, to the song, to the table. And, and that's kind of, where I go with that. So it's really interesting listening to Greg's baseline. And of course I had, I've got a city right here. I've got a, uh, atomic Kings right there. <laughs> and before that he had Kings of dust. I listened to both of these albums and I, I know where, the, where they're drawing their influences from. I hear the deep purple hook. I hear the, 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 uh, the grand funk hook. I hear the, I say, Greg, you're, you're, you're playing this here. You're playing. He goes, he goes, we wear our influences on our sleeve. I said, I'm the same way. You know, I, I always tell people, well, I'm, I, I'm influenced by this. I'm influenced by that. So uh, I, I really appreciate hearing Greg Chason's bass style uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, when I'm listening to his his own band. So I already have a feel of what, what kind of bass player he is and where he's going with that. And, and here's, a, here's another real weird connected dot thing. Um, I played in Steeler with a guy named Ron Keel. And then I played in a band called Surgical Steel with Jim Keeler, <laughs> right? That's, that's, a, that's a Twilight Zone right there. And I was followed in both bands by the same guy, Greg Chason. <laughs> well, it's only after, after, after I left Steeler, uh, there was a quick quick little interim lineup. That's when uh, Mitch Perry joined. But Ron Murray stepped in on bass, and he got his hand caught in a door. And he, he couldn't play. Greg Chason stepped in. So Greg kind of followed me in Steeler. And then when I got his surgical steel, and then when I left, Greg Chason came in after that. So that's a really weird dot connection right there. Uh, <laughs> so we've kind of been loosely orbiting each other's uh, uh, gravity or, or rotation or whatever you want to call it over the years. And, and this is like, like the ultimate gift for him. You know, now I'm following him in Freak Show. So it's just kind of really weird how that, that went like this and happened. So um, uh, back to music. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Well, Rick, um, unfortunately, I have to leave uh, uh, soon. But uh, yeah. but um, what, you know, absolutely, if you want to, we want to do this again. <laughs> like, let's do uh, another uh, one. Sure. That's absolutely. Yeah. You, you, right. you guys, like uh, like uh, Doc Holliday says a tombstone. Say when. <laughs> <laughs> well, for right now, please tell everybody where they can keep up with you and where they can find Freak Show. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in free, uh, Facebook. 
Um, I have a, a primary page, which is uh, my profile pictures. Uh, it's a live shot of me playing with like lightning and stuff and winged whore, winged knight on, on my shoulder. That's my primary page. Um, I have a fan page, which is private to kind of like weed out the, the crazy people. Um, there's a page that's attached to my Wikipedia page. I don't really go there that often, but people still post messages there. I guess they can't find my primary page. Um, I have a, a website that I haven't, it really needs updating. I haven't been on it in a long time. That would be uh, rickfoxbase.wix.com forward slash rickfox. That's spelled R-I-K-F-O-X. Uh, um, for anybody that knows what the, the Wix, Wix websites are, uh, it's mostly, uh, mostly Steeler, Wasp, uh, Surgical Steel, Thunderball, one of my other bands that I, that I had. Uh, that's on the, on the Wix website. But I, I have to create an Instagram account. I have to create a, a Twitter X account, whatever. That's that's the big thing everybody's doing. I barely have enough time during the day with Facebook. Now I have to create these other social media platforms like that. Uh, I want to say thanks to Babbage uh, Guitars for their, their wonderful uh, hardware. I use a Babbage Bass Bridge. Uh, e EMG Pickups, which I've been, I've been uh, representing EMG Bass Pickups on my Thunderbirds. And uh, DR Strings. DR bass string, bass strings. These the uh, the high beams, and that's kind of you know where I'm at right now. Um, I still have all my old Randall gear. I'm not really endorsing any bass gear right now, but because mostly when you go to these gigs, there's a backline already there. So I I use pretty much whatever the house has, like that. Um, um, I haven't brought my stuff out on oh, on the road or live since the '80s, so like that. But that's pretty much it. So. Um, uh, I, I thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's a privilege. It's an honor. Uh, guys like you have podcasts. Uh, you know, uh, thank you so much. We salute you. You keep us, uh, uh, keep us alive. Keep us out there in the public. You know, your, your, your podcast shows are uh, uh, a wonderful thing. It's a great invention podcasts, you know, and, and a lot of guys who people who are uh, not there when it happened are now getting to kind of relive it vicariously through us as we bring you the stories of, 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 the bygone days of the golden age of rock and metal and stuff like that. So we really appreciate what you guys bring to the table, you know, to, to help uh, uh, keep us, uh, keep our name alive in the public. Well, that, and that's what we want. We want to keep all of this alive for, uh, you know, as long as we possibly can. And then hopefully beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully knock on wood. Uh, we don't go to war just yet. I mean, we're on the, <laughs> it seems like we're on the brink every day now. So. Uh, it's it's a, a like Cat Stevens said, hey, "Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world." So uh, it's getting wilder by the minute. So get the popcorn because it's going to be a big show. Yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Rick, thank you so much, and and I'll tell you what, we will we will set up a new time, and we will uh, we will talk some more because I, I know you I, got the stories. <laughs> I hope I hope I have more to to tell you. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> well, I didn't cover Kiss at all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I tend to be long-winded. I, I, I deviate. No, off the, we, off the no, we. This, this was perfect. This was exactly yep. what we wanted out of this one. I'm just wondering what your cat's name is. Oh, that was Savannah. Savannah. Every, every time I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a zoo, an interview, she'll jump up on my lap and she wants to. She puts her paws around and she hugs me and she buries her, her nose and. In my, in my hair and my under my neck um she did that with my wife and and so she just mm. jumps up every once in a while uh misha and i see her in the other room so. <laughs> there you go that's awesome Funny well, like, I, like i say rick thank you so much and uh and we will definitely talk to you again soon 
Thank you so much, guys, for having me on. Awesome. Thank you. Bye for now. All right. Just a memory of you